Hey, welcome to the Communities Podcast. We hope this message will encourage, challenge, and ultimately grow you in your walk with Jesus. Subscribe for weekly messages and share this message with your community. Let's dig in. Have your Bibles, Genesis chapter number 16. You guys are tight this morning. You guys are like stiff. You're like, what is this so speaking here this morning? You got to go to Genesis chapter number 16. The title of my sermon this morning is, is Mistakes Made by Faith. Mistakes Made by Faith. And um, I, I try to get a picture in faith. I try to get a picture of someone tripping upstairs. Because I wanted you to see that when you're making mistakes, it's a journey as you're going following the Lord that you trip up. You never trip down. Oh, that's a sermon right there. I could just sit down after that. And I'm like, thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm just going to, you trip up when you're following Jesus. You never trip down. And when it feels like you're falling back, I want to say this to you this morning. You're never falling back. You're always just keep falling forward in him. Because you are always in him. Okay. If my wife moves to Cape Town... She is still married to me until she has issued me with a certificate of divorce. Right? It doesn't matter the distance, I'm still married. So God will never initiate this certificate of divorce with you. So it doesn't matter how far you're from him. You're still married and he still sees you as his bride. And when you're tripping and you're falling off to him, you're tripping upwards. You're never tripping down. In Pentecostal theology, we teach this, and I have a problem with this. I don't really necessarily agree with this. Is my sound okay, or does it sound like I'm in a room? Because it sounds like I'm in a room. But is my sound fine? Is it everything fine? Okay, I'll just deal with it. So, it's just another thing I just got to work through. Pray for the bishop. So, um, again, that's why I'm switching over to American again. My bad. So, in Pentecostal theology, we have this, we, we, we teach there are three wills to God. We teach there is a perfect will, there is a permissible will, and then there is a good will. And this teaching is based on Romans 12 verse 2. You do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the word of God, so that you may test what is good, what is perfect and permissible will of God. Now, the, the issue, when you ever explaining something from a doctrinal perspective, meaning that when you're teaching something theologically, the rule of thumb that Pentecostals will use is that they must, the verse must exist three times in the Bible. It's a rule of thumb. It's not like something that's written in stone, but you must have it three times in the Bible. That's the first rule. The second rule is that you need to look that it is a common theme across the Bible, meaning that it's from Genesis to Revelation that that theme exists. So here's the problem. Number one, you can't find the same scripture that says the same thing three times without, throughout the Bible. That's number one. That's the issue that I have with that interpretation. The second inter problem that I have with that interpretation is, and this is the thing with me and my pet hate with Christianity, is that sometimes often we are guilty of circular thinking. In other words, we try and use the Bible to prove the, the reality or the truth of the Bible. That's not, that's not very smart, is it? Right? It's not very wise. So it's circular thinking. Okay, so hopefully you're with me this morning. But anyway, so this, the third problem that I have with that, that interpretation of there is three wills of God means that there was always three desires for your life from God. Now, the problem I have with that is God is omnipresent, which means he's in your tomorrow as well as he's in your yesterday at the same time. He's God. I know in your mind you're going, like, how can you even do that? So... 
The fourth problem that I have with that is if there is a perfect will of God for your life and you messed up, that means he set you up for failure. Because who's perfect? So how can there be a perfect will? That's the fourth problem. The fifth problem, and this is the main one, I know it's going to stump you. If you read the same scripture in Greek, it actually doesn't say that. Say what now? If you read it in Greek, it actually says this. This is the construct of the sentence. It says the will of God is good, is perfect, and is permissible. It doesn't talk about three different wills. It talks about the will of God is good, is perfect, and it is permissible. Uh, you just, I, I went through all those points just to show you the last point, which is really just the one I needed, but I just wanted to show off this morning. So on Genesis, I, I just gave Gabriel time to find the scripture. That's why I went, took so long with my introductions. Mistakes made by faith. We're going to read some Bible. It's the most Bible some of you have read all week. So it's just a chapter. So just hang out with me as we develop this text this morning. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, See now, Lord, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. It's always funny how we blame God for the things that are not happening in our life. She can't have kids, now it's God's problem. God's restrained me from having children. Please go into my mate, and perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. Then Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abraham to be his wife. After Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. Ten. Always remember the Bible is very intentional. God is an intentional God. I just want to also just put this down. When you ever, when you're reading some historical documents or documents of importance, what they will do naturally, this is the way people think, is that they will name uh, people uh, by according to their level of importance or the, in, in terms of, uh, like for example, uh, we are three boys in our house. So Jean and Nicholas Reese. So immediately in your mind, you think Jean's the oldest, Nicholas is the middle child. You can you could tell he struggles from that middle child syndrome, and then Reese, the spoiled one. Yes, right. The baby is always the spoiled one. He's online, so you know he knows it's the truth, and he can't talk back. I muted him just so that we can't hear what he has to say. Right, but. In historical documents, you know that this is the level of importance. When the Bible mentions something, they don't mention by age. They mention by level of importance. In other words, when you read uh, Terah, who, who was uh, Abraham's father, he, uh, or, or rather, let me go back to Noah. So Noah had three sons, right? He had uh, uh, Shem, Yapeth, and Ham. And the Bible would say Shem, Ham, and Yapeth. Because those are the level of importance. But they're not the oldest. If you read the historical documents, it'll say Yabbath, Ham, Shem. Shem was the youngest. But Shem in the Bible terms was the oldest. So whenever you're reading your Bible, you must pay attention to numbers. You must pay attention to names because names always mean something. And periods are very important. The first 12 or 11 chapters of Genesis deals with 2,000 years. The next 40 chapters, so to speak, deals with 200 years. So you, when reading and interpreting scripture, it is always important for you to take note of things because this is how the Holy Spirit speaks to you and he speaks uh, and, and he says things. So uh, then Sarah, verse 3, Abraham's wife took Hagar, 
her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abraham, to be his wife. After Abraham had dwelt 10 years, the number of testing in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarah said to Abraham, my wrong be upon you. It's a typical woman, right? Wants to blame the husband for something that she did. Hmm? We saw that earlier when the guys were doing announcements. Right? My wrong be upon you. I gave my maiden to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. The Lord judge between you and me. I want you to take note of that. Here's Sarah saying the Lord judge between you and me. I want you to highlight that. Make a mental note if you don't write in your Bible. Highlight that. I want you just to stay there with me. You don't have to change the screen, but go to Genesis 17 with me. Just one, one page forward or one switch of the thing finger if you're on your app. Just, just go to, 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 to Genesis 17. And for those who are making notes, Genesis chapter number 17, you see that God reassures his covenant with Abraham. And then go to verse number 16, which is very important to understanding why Isaac is so important. Verse 16 in Genesis 17. And this is God. Okay, you can pick it up from verse uh, 15. Then God said to Abraham, as after he changed their names, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. I want you to take note. Okay, you can go back to Genesis 16. No, I want to point something out to you because you didn't get it. But you're going to get it in a moment. You're not ready for this. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a revealing of God, his nature, his character towards us. Okay? When Sarah cried out for judgment, God in the next chapter uses that ch chapter to reaffirm his covenant with Abraham and blesses Sarah saying that out of her kings shall be born. You're still not with me. I've got the Holy Spirit over me, but I'll say to you again. When you're calling out for judgment, God blesses them and reassures the covenant of them. We have the, 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 this mindset that when God judges, he's going to take us out. He's going to kill us. He's going to get rid of us. In this context, when she cries out, when she was the one that was in wrong, saying, God, you be the judge between what happened here between my husband and I. What does God do? He reassures of his covenant. His blessing, he changes their names. He says to her, out of you, I will birth kings. That's why the blessing couldn't come through Ishmael, because it had to come through Isaac, because she was responsible for birthing kings as well as you, Abraham. This is the nature of God. This is the character of the Lord that you cry out for judgment and he reassures his covenant with you. He reassures you. In fact, he goes one step further and says, I will change your name by adding an H. That H in the Hebrew context, meaning that he, he becomes almost divinely inspired to carry forth children, father of many nations, mother of many nations is what that H brought to their names. 
In other words, he went and he took somebody that was barren. Now, why this is so important is because to the Semitic mind, this is what Abraham was, a Semitic. That's why we have the word anti-Semitism. Semitic mind, the Semitic mind was children. If you gave birth to children, that was your salvation. They didn't have a perspective of a paradise. Their salvation was in children because the name and the seed continued. Abraham couldn't have any children. Sarah couldn't have any children, which meant that they couldn't have salvation. So God came and gave them salvation. The goodness and the mercy of God that he would come and... Abraham couldn't go to Abraham's bosom because he was Abraham's bosom, right? So when he passed away, you will read in your Bible that he just returned to his father's. Okay, Abraham's bosom is equated in the Christian mind that this is paradise. This is where we're going, following with me, right? So when God came to Abraham, he came to a man that was in search for salvation. That I would send my son. That's why Isaac and your seed, Isaac, you are called. That's why Isaac is a type and shadow of Jesus. Because as Isaac brought Abraham salvation, so, so God brought us Jesus for salvation. I, this is a much better than the way you guys are reacting, but this is the nature and the goodness of, G, of God, of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit. I'll come to someone who doesn't have salvation and show him salvation. And then after showing him salvation, I'll set him up to show the rest of the world that if I could save him, I could save all of you. Okay. I'm going to just contain myself. Let me get back to the scripture. Right. <clears throat> Verse 6. So Abraham, Abraham said to Sarah, indeed your maid is in your hand. Sarah, indeed your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Verse 7. Now the angel of the Lord, whenever you're reading in the New King James, angel, capital A, the word angel in the Greek is angelos. It just means messenger. So in the New King James, when you read angel and it says capital A, it usually is referring to what we refer to in theology as theophany or Christophany. Theophany basically meaning God revealing himself or Christophany, Christ revealing himself before the time. So when you read there, capital A, angel of the Lord, we uh, think and believe that this is Christ. Christ revealing himself in person as an angel. Remember, angel doesn't mean somebody with flapping their wings and there's dust and there's, you know, halo and the, he looks like a Swedish model. It's not about the Swedish model coming to you and telling you a message. This is just somebody coming in a, in a human form, giving a message. So the angel of the Lord found her, this is Hagar, by a spring of water. Can I say that God is always hanging out by water? The word of the, God, of the Lord is water. In the wilderness, by the spring, on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? Where else do you read this terminology? The children of God, you don't know where they come from or where they're going to. Those who are led by the Spirit of the Lord. She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. 
Following life, sometimes it's difficult when you have to submit to authority. Because sometimes when we don't agree with authority, we struggle to submit to that authority. But here's God's way. God will always speak through authority. And God sometimes requires for us to submit. I remember a story that I just want to pause here for a minute and share with you. I counseled a woman who was being, who was being abused by her husband once. And I always thought that you know, if something like that had to happen to me, the kind of counsel I would give to her is, don't worry, I'll talk to your husband and then pitch up there with a baseball bat and just show him the way he should go as a good preacher. But when she spoke to me, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through, to, through me and said to her, submit yourself to your husband, which is something that out of my own, I would never do. I said, submit yourself. In fact, walk up to his hands and kiss the palms of his hands. The same hands that struck her. Every year between June and August for 12 years, this woman used to get a beating. Because if you understand spiritual dynamics, there are certain things that trigger and then something happens. But I'm not going to get into that. But when the minute she did that and she submitted herself to the leading of her husband, no more abuse. No more hitting. In fact, it was him that caused, he started submitting to his wife and leading her the right way. There is power in submission. Submission is a safe place. Amen. We all need submission. Amen. It is easier for a man to submit than for a woman. That's why the Bible instructs women to submit. doesn't instruct men to submit because men know how to submit. And the reason why women struggle to submit it is all goes back to the fall. The men struggle to love. That's why the Bible instructs men to love. You never have to tell a woman to love because she, if you're good to a girl, she'll just love you. If you're just good to the girl, she'll love you. Okay, there we go. Some witnesses. Abraham, uh, Abraham. Warren, maybe to make some notes there. Good, be good to be anchor. She'll love you all the days of your life. Just be good to her. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mystery and submit yourself under hand. Verse 10. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. Can I tell you this morning that he is the God who sees? He sees your affliction. He sees your disappointment. He sees your depression. He sees your loneliness. He sees everything. He is the God who sees. For she said, I have, I, have, I also, have I also here seen him who sees me? <laughs> I see you looking at me, looking at you, looking at me, looking at you, looking at me. In the spirit, whenever you can see a demonic presence, that demonic presence is aware that it, can, it is seen and immediately looks at you. Because when you're in the spirit, there is an impartation of knowledge that takes place. That there is something that you don't even have to teach somebody about. It just happens. So when God reveals himself. When also when you see things in the spirit. Because spirits don't have bodies like ours. I, I don't, this is how I look. 
24-7, right? This is how I look, unless you've got some C, what CGI or CI or something like that happening. But in the spirit, whenever you see a spirit, you see a characteristic. So that which you see actually tells you what that spirit does. So whenever you see spirits and you see characteristics, it, it talks to its characteristic, to what that spirit does. Okay, that's a spiritual principle. So here's Hagar saying, he's God who sees, and now I see him who sees me. For brethren, we do not know what we will be like, but we know that when we see him, we will be like him. For, in order to behold him, you, in order to behold yourself, you have to behold him. Meaning, how can you give the one who gives you definition, deficient, definition? In other words, how can I define a God who is so beyond me that he is the one who defines me? So God is the one who gives me definition. And the only way that I may know me is when I know him. So when I see him, I will see me. Because I was always in him you with me all right this is a very powerful statement because here is a woman who is an egyptian maid and because of the association that she has with abraham she now becomes god's business did god care about lot no because he was a fleshly christian why did god save lot in genesis 18 because he was connected to abraham and he was important to abraham that's why paul writes in the new testament says how do you know believing husband that you can not save the unbelieving wife that's dwelt in your house because by covenant you following me so by covenant because you are important to me god will save you Imagine a church that started caring for people in such a way. What would God do with a church like that? When Warren becomes important to me, for my sakes, God will find him and save him and deliver him and bless him because it's important to me. God isn't broke. Heaven isn't going like, are we going into overdraft, guys? Stop the blessing. Stop the There's no auditor in heaven sitting up there going, we can't do any more spending this month. There is a God up, up there that owns everything. And if his blessing is important to me, God will bless him and promote him and give him a new job and give him a new boss because he's important to me. And because I dwell in the presence of the Lord and I am blessed I, and I have this covenant with him, everybody that is connected to me will be saved. Everybody that's connected to me will be delivered. Everybody that's connected to me will prosper. Lot prospered so much that he didn't have space for his sheep that's why he sold the farm and he lost for quip he sold his inheritance he got rid of the sheep he moved down to Sodom and Gomorrah with the city with the lights and he went partied all the time and he was wrong he was in the flesh but because he was important to God God saved Lot and then what happens out of his daughters that's why we read Moab it became a city it became a people it became a nation why because the blessing was still there even though they made mistakes even though they got it wrong even though they messed up God still blessed him and still prospered him for generations to come because he was connected to Abraham that's God that's the Lord that's Jesus how many of you have a covenant with God 
Now everybody that's connected to you, everybody that's important to you, God will reach them. God will bless them. God will prosper them. God will go and find them. God will bring them out. Even as I was worshiping here this morning, the word of the Lord was on me for somebody in this place that God will fetch your son. He will fetch your children. He will fetch the people that's important to you and he will bring them back into the house of the Lord. He will bring them back into the fold. It doesn't matter if they're sitting in the Netherlands. It doesn't matter if they're scattered to Germany or scattered to Russia or scattered to the United States what does the word of the Lord say I will bring them from the four corners of the earth and I will bring them back to a land that I will bless them and prosper to them that's why the Jew is so important because their movement is a reassurance of the covenant that God made with this guy called Abraham and it didn't matter about the mistakes that he made. It didn't matter the mistakes that he made. He was in faith and he believed that what he did was, even though it was wrong, God would still bless him and bless his family and bless his children's children and his children's children. That's why your Bible says, even when a prophet came to David and said, for the sake of David, you can mess up as much as what you want, king. I will discipline you. I will bring you back and I will bring all the children of Israel back to me because I made a covenant with one man. The power of one encounter with God. That's why I want to say this. You don't need to fight for the soul of your children, parents. You don't. Because you have a covenant. When you've signed a document, how many lawyers fight? They don't. All they do is they take the piece of paper and they say, ah, this is your signature. Yeah, done. What does the court do? Don't waste my time, guys. There's the paper. That's the agreement. You, you will do what the agreement said. Now, if these judges appointed by our beloved government are wrong and are sometimes uh, corrupt and sometimes they're manly, so they mess up and our laws are not perfect. Our laws are manly laws. The laws that we are governed by, the Dutch Roman law that we are governed by, uh, sometimes has flaws and faults in it. And these judges know how to do things right. What do you think that the judge in heaven knows what to do? How do you think he knows how to judge? That's why don't stand in a position of fighting. Stand in a position of what your covenant says. What is my agreement says? I know God that this is happening, but you and I have an agreement. I don't need to deal with that mess. This is your problem. You need to sort it out. And he loves when you give it to him. That's why he said, bring me your burdens. Bring me that which keeps you down. I'll make it light for you. My yoke is easy. I will take, I will take it. I will do it. I will run with it. This is God. Okay, I'm excited about it because I'm thankful that God is, you know, you've got somebody that backs me up. I've got, I don't need to push hash on my phone and call the Lebanese army. I, know, I just, I need to just stay in my covenant. And when I pray, I pray from a position of covenant. What's your covenant with your God like? What's the covenant with your God like? What is your responsibility in this relationship with God? Get yourself together. <laughs> right. Verse 14, therefore the well was called Ber Lahu Rau. Observe it's between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abraham named his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar was born, Ishmael to Abraham. A a Abraham was 86. He had Isaac when he was 99. There is a 13 to 14 year gap between Ishmael and, Abraham, uh, and, and, and Isaac. 
There's a 14-year gap. Now let's quickly go to the next chapter. Let's go to Genesis chapter number, what is it, 37. We'll just read it up here. Do you have it here? No. Genesis 37 verse 28. Genesis 37 verse 28. It's on the screen as well. Well, we'll pick it up from verse 23, sorry, not 28, 23. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic. This is just to give you some background. Joseph is born. He's uh, Jacob's favorite child. He, like my younger brother, he gets a special coat. They bless him. And he stirs up some jealousy between the brothers. He stirs up some je jealousy between the brothers. Now, this is also very important for you to understand because the Gentile nation that are come to the Lord is a very much like a Joseph because they will provoke the Jews to jealousy, Romans chapter number 9, because of the access that we have of the Spirit of the Lord that is upon us. And their Jews will look to us and say, you have a relationship with God that we desire. And then that's the time that the Jews will come. That's the time that God will bring in the Jews and he will save them. Okay. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic and his, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Sound familiar? Let me help you. Hell. How many of you have been in hell? How many of you felt like life sucks so much for you that you feel like you've hit rock bottom and there is no other way to go? There is no water. There is no word. There is no revelation. There is no illumination. There's nothing from God to help you in this pit. Then they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. I was so thankful that God himself has gone down to the pit and led the captivity captive. Then they lifted their eyes. I wish I had somebody here that would just give God some sort of praise or say, thank you, Jesus, that you came down and saved me. Then they lifted their eyes and looked. And there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. Can we carry on? Do you have it? Not have it. So they came down to Egypt. That's my fault. No, they, it's, they didn't come. So, no, no, they didn't come. Okay. Fine, I'll read it from my Bible. I thought I was cute looking at the screen that's always behind me. Verse 26. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brothers and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. So I want to point something out to you. What is the name of Hagar's son? Ishmael. Who is the one that saves Joseph? The Ishmaelites. That even though it may seem that I made a mistake here, but because I made it by faith, God has the ability to turn your mistake around to be the thing that will save you. God has the ability to take the past yesterday's mistakes 
and turn it around for your favor. Joseph is the great-grandson of Abraham. The Ishmaelites, you'll see that there's a connection here between the Ishmaelites and the Midianites. Now the word here, Ishmaelites, is very interesting because some biblical scholars believe that the word Ishmaelites refers to the general Arabic population. Right? Can we bring that, can we bring that one up? That, I think it was my mistake, by the way, that I didn't send you enough verses and scriptures. Uh, if we could go to verse, I want to show you something. I want to put it on the screen because I think it's very, very important. Verse 26 and then verse 27, verse 28, if you have it. If you don't have it, it's fine. Is it there? And his brothers listened. Then the Midianite traders passed by. I want, you to show, I want to show you something. What profit is it that we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by. Do you see that? No. Looking at me like, Nicholas, are you again on the herb? I need the medicine, guys. There is a relationship between calling the Ishmaelites Midianites. Who did Moses marry when he ran away from Egypt? A Midianite woman. That even the mistakes go so far as not just from Joseph helping him out, but to a Moses who ran away and then got married to a Midianite woman. In other words, how many times have you have stuffed up? Now, I know some of you have walked with Brom for a long time. I can tell you about his mistakes, right? How many times have you messed up and made mistakes? For how long does your mistakes go back? How long, what, what will God do in your future with every mistake that you've made because you made it in faith? God will go out and save you because of the mistake that you made. He will set you up for success even knowing that what you did was wrong. It wasn't God's perfect will, so to speak, for Abraham to marry Hagar and for him to get another wife because the promise was to Sarah and to Abraham. Yet Abraham made a mistake and he did it in faith. And when he made the mistake, it was the mistake that saved his great grandson who pulled him out of a pit. And here in this verse, I'm going to use this scripture here to show you that the Ishmaelites were also referred to the Midianites because they were then called the Midianite traders. It wasn't two different people. It was referring to the same group of people. And then when Moses ran away from Egypt, when he was running away from when God was setting him up, he married a Midianite woman who then set him up for, so that he could go back to Egypt and pull the Israelites out and send them to their promised land. Every mistake that you make, my brother and my sister, might be a mistake to you. It might be a thorn in your flesh for now, but God has the power to set up that mistake for your success later down the line, that everything that you thought that you did wrong, God has had the ability to turn it around. You got a divorce and mistake, God has the ability to turn it around. You got a child out of wedlock, God has the ability to turn it around. You took some drugs and got yourself in some position, God has the ability to turn it around. You got drunk and did something that you weren't supposed to do, God has the ability to turn it around for your good. Because when you trip up, you trip up. You keep going up. He's going to take you up. I want you to go back to Genesis 16. I want to show you something. This blessed me, this blessed me so much on Monday night when I was preparing for this. Go back to Genesis 16, and if you can, if you have a paper or something, 
uh, if you have a paper or something, go to Psalm 86, 16. I want to show you something. You can put Psalm 86 here for me, please. Psalm 86, 16. Go, go to Genesis 16. You go to Genesis 16, verse 16. It's the last verse. Watch this. This is what happened to me on Monday night. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar was born, was born when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Abraham, I told you numbers was important. Genesis 16, verse 16. Right? How old was Abraham? 86. Okay? Go to Psalm 86, verse 16. It's on the screen. Right? This is what the Holy Spirit shows me. The Ishmaelites are who? They are the Arabic nation that surround the Israelites today. Oh, turn to me and have mercy on me and give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. In Genesis chapter number 16, Hagar said to her of herself, she was the maidservant of God. Can I prophesy and tell you that God is about to shake the Muslim nation and the Arabic nation and bring them into salvation based on this, even this scripture here, that I will save the son of your maidservant. Who's the maidservant in this context? It was Hagar. Who's the son? Ishmael. Who's Ishmael? Ishmael's all the Arabic nations around, the, around Israel today. That I will save the son of your maidservant. Every mistake that you thought that you've made, there is God who will still save the son of your maidservant. There is still God who will save your mistakes. And though that you did what you did, making a mistake, God has the ability to turn it around for your favor and for your good. And when you trip, you trip up. I say, when you trip, you trip up. This is the beautiful thing about being in Christ. You know, and again, we say this in Pentecostal charismatic churches. We say, God, move. Holy Spirit, move. I love Travis Green. He's not spiritual enough for Jeremy. But I listen to Travis Green from time to time. And, and in one of his songs, he'll say, come on, Jesus. And I love that. Because when I'm praying nowadays, I'm just like, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Just come into the room. So we as, as charismatics, we say, God moves. But the, the, the truth is, the truth is, God cannot move. Because he's omnipresent. See, Nicholas moves. In order for Nicholas to be here, he had to leave there. If God had to move, the place that he would move from would no longer exist. Because everything that exists is in him. So it's not him that moves. It's you that move. You move in him. Hello, Bishop Ronesh. You move in him. Which means that when you are worshipping the Lord and when you are praising the Lord, it's not that God came down. It's that you went up. Because you are seated where? No, you're not. You're sitting here. I know we gave you a flight of stairs to come up. But you're not in heavenly places yet. But yet your Bible says you're seated in heavenly places. Because when I praise him, he inhabits the praises of his people. And in order for him to inhabit, he had to come down to my level as the old Gaither song to pick me up to his level. So when I'm worshiping the Lord and then I'm praising him, him to him picking me up, I become better. I become more. Because now all of a sudden I'm busy shoulder by shoulder going against, rubbing against the anointed one as iron sharpens iron. So another friend sharpens another friend. And every single time I feel the presence of God, it's him rubbing up against me. Then I become better. 
that I become more. So it's him that moves. That's why when I say you trip up, you must understand that your whole life was in him. And every mistake that you made, you must made in him and that's why when every time you fall he just sort of brings you back he just keeps picking you up that's why when we had the dream of jacob when you have the ladder it was angels angels ascending then descending you would think that angels being angelic beings would first descend then ascend but in the scripture it says it was first ascending then descending Because as you, Angelos, messengers, are going up, you access the mind of Christ, bringing it down to the rest of the body. John chapter number 1, verse 51. He is the actual ladder that you actually go up and down in. So when you're making a mistake, my friend, you are still climbing that ladder. And therefore, when you trip, you only trip up. That God has the ability to make every mistake that you've ever made turn around for your good every time the enemy tried to plan for you to fall apart he would turn it around for your good every single time you thought that what you did was so bad that god no longer can choose you no longer can use you it was actually him allowing you to make that mistake to setting you up for further success thank you i've got one witness i'm preaching to one person this sunday morning i'm so thankful every mistake that you have made every mistake that you have made god has already prepared the outcome for your good and your favor and he allowed you to do what you did to bring you to him in the orthodox view they say everything is the will of god i'm going to close off with this which is difficult to receive and accept because we think will equa equates to desire everything is the will of god so when i got sick was it god's desire for me to get sick because if everything is the will of god how did i get sick yeah i know it's difficult né? but how can i ever say that he's the healer if i've never been sick doesn't mean that god made you sick no but God allowed me to get sick because everything that is is him allowing it people die God allowed it this is the reality God allowed it why does he allow it where is he sorry I like to ask real questions my my faith is not some sort of imaginary story I have a real relationship with a real person called Jesus and therefore I have real problems and I have real questions to him God is not afraid of your questions I might be afraid of your questions and might think that you're a little weird, but he doesn't think that you're weird and think you're a little funny. He loves when you're asking him questions. Here's the thing about God. When you're asking him a question through faith, he will always answer you. When you ask it in unbelief, he won't answer you because he responds to faith. So when you make a mistake, when you made it, you believed it was the right thing to do, though that what you did was wrong. And he has the ability to turn that around for your good because you did it in faith. Okay, when you do work in unbelief, he won't answer you. Let me make it real for you. Jesus says, come, follow me. I asked a question in 2008. Lord, this is a little bit unfair. Because I sort of hoped that I was one of the disciples. That I could actually see a physical man in front of me doing things. Now he says, come, follow me. Who am I following? 
like, hello, are you here? I feel like an Adele song. <laughs> so, how do I follow him? And on Friday, the Lord answered me. See, sometimes it takes a while before God answers you. On Friday, he answered me. I asked the first time in 2008, how do I follow you? And he says to me this, Nicholas, where you know where I've been, that's where you're going. In other words, let me say it to you another way. It's not by your effort and your work that you achieve what you achieve. You see me already doing it, and all you're doing is following after what I've done. Come, follow me. I trip up. That even though that what I do, I do in faith, that what I do may appear to be wrong. And at the time, I did not have the wisdom to know that what I was doing was wrong. But I was doing it out of faith. He honors that decision. And then he causes me to trip up. He causes me to come up to him. Come, follow me. In other words, you're struggling in your marriage. How do you get breakthrough in your marriage? Do what I did. When I say I, I mean God. Do what Jesus did. What did he do in marriage? It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Was God good to you? Yet before you, when you were still sinners, he died for you. In other words, you, you, him loving you wasn't because you were good. It was because he is good. Meaning that you as husband should love your wife being good because he is good, not because she's good. You forgive people not because they deserve it, because you saw him do it. You love unconditionally because you saw him do it. You give your life over and over and over and over and over again because you saw him do it. In other words, you treat the way that you treat people in your life by the way you saw him do it. You extend grace and mercy to people because you saw him extend grace and mercy to people. You're struggling in your job. What does your Bible say? You're not doing this for man's service. You're not doing this to please him. You're doing this to please him. You're not here preaching a word of God to these people. You're here preaching a word to Jesus because he comes to listen to his own word because the word of God will not return to him void but will prosper in the thing that he sent it to do. He watches over his word. I'm not here preaching to you. I'm here preaching to Jesus. So when you pitch up, I'm still here preaching. Because I don't do it for you. I do it for him. Because I saw him do it. You're not with me. <laughs> so, <let> me <laughs> so, I've got these faces staring back at me. Let me tell you this. Let me just hook you up. <laughs> I'm going to keep going at this until someone gets it. But I want to show this to you that everything that you're doing, even in your business, in your marriage, in your life, with your children, how he did it, he will go before you. He will make the crooked path straight. He will go before you and show you how to do it. And he will show you how to do it because he's already told you how he did it. He will show you how to do it. I don't have to fight for success. He's already made me successful. I just have to do it with him and allow him to do it. When I'm sitting negotiating with people around the rent and the property and everything, I just put it on pause because he's got to work in their hearts. I deliver the seed. There is someone that will water the seed and I know that he will make it multiply. He will bring it forth and make it fruitful. So all I did was did what he told me to do. So... Every decision that you're making in your life, and I'm coming to a close, every decision that you're making in your life, do it by faith. Because when you do it by faith, even though it may be a mistake, God will make it work for your good. And I'm here to tell you some, to someone this morning, I don't know who it is, but I'm here to tell you 
the mistakes of your past that keeps finding you at night, let it go. Because he will make those mistakes turn out for your good. And he allowed you to make that mistake because he was setting you up for success. He was setting you up to trip upwards, to trip up to him. Because there is a devil that is bothering some of you. And sometimes it's not even the devil. Sometimes you don't even need the devil in your house. It's just flesh that likes to beat up on themselves. In other words, stop beating up on yourself. When I needed some deliverance from sin, I tried to even climb into the cold pool water that we used to have that when I lived in my mother's house in winter to keep my body disciplined. I fasted so much that I would want to faint and I still couldn't get delivered from sin. You know when the deliverance happened for me? When I stood up and said, I will love myself like you love me. All of a sudden, the sin fell away. What is the commandment of Jesus? Love God with everything that you are and everything that, that you have and love the neighbor as you love. The follow-up question is how did you break that commandment? Because if you don't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. And if you can't love yourself, you can never love your God. And when you see yourself in him, you'll begin to be nicer to yourself. So stop beating yourself up by the mistakes that you made yesterday. Because the mistake that you made was God allowing you to make that mistake to set you up for your success. I know where I'm going. I know after this I'm going home, but I know where I'm going. We're all going to go to the same place. Well, some of us, I'm not so sure about Brom, but everyone else here, you're going to the Lord. I don't know about you, but that day that I die, I know I'm going to see him. I don't know about you, but I know where I'm going when I die. So do you. You all know where you're going. So if you already know where you're going, my brother, my sister, friend, stranger, be at peace. Some of us are going to get there quicker than others. Be at peace. The mistakes that you've made in your yesterday, God still has time to set you up for your success. The mistakes that my family made, I'm benefiting from those results. Because as God delivered Joseph using Abraham's mistake, the Ishmaelites, so God will use my family's mistakes to deliver me in my future. My mistakes will set my children up for their success because I have a good God who only wants to be good to me. I have a good God who only wants to be good to me. I said I have a good God that only wants to be good to me. And the reason why I have these resistance is because the devil hates it. He hates the fact that God loves me so much. So he will try and get me to trip up. He will try and get me to make mistakes. And here's the good news. My mistakes are going to be for my benefit. That's good. That's how God, good God is. That's how good God is. That's how God takes his finger and puts it in the devil's face. Just to show you what I'm going to do. You hate him? Watch me. 
Remember the devil comes to God. Book of Job, chapter 1 and 2. I've gone to and fro across the earth and I found no one righteous. God says, have you considered my servant Job? God was setting Job up. He was setting him up. How many mistakes did Job make? Plenty. He was setting him up. Right to the end of the book of Job say, everything that he had was twice better than what he had before. And his daughters were the prettiest girls in town. God set him up. It was God's fault that he went through what he went through. And God still pulled him out. What does your end look like? What does your end look like? My God is good. I know what my end looks like. When I die, I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. Because I know where I'm going. And I know what's being left behind. Consider your own life this morning where you are. Come to your feet. Consider your own life where you are this morning. Consider the goodness of your God. That it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what you've... I'm trying to get somebody delivered here this morning. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Because the devil has come to you and he has knocked on your door over and over and over and over and over. And told you that you're not good enough. Told you that you're useless. Told you that you suck. You slept with that girl. You're not good enough. You did that thing. You smoked some herb. You did some drugs. You, you got drunk one night. You did what you did. You did what you did. And it got you into a place where you feel, I'm no longer worthy and I'm no longer good enough and let me help you let me deliver you this morning you were never good enough because it's only the blood of Jesus that made you good enough it wasn't because of your effort it was because of his effort remember a couple of weeks ago I said give God your best remember David saying David saying I refuse to take this thing for free for the service of my God how many of you believe that God is good how many of you believe that he is wise how many of you believe you can negotiate He's a Jew. Come on. He knows how to get a good deal. Do you think that he could have negotiated for your life from the devil for less than the blood of his son? Do you think that God is wise enough to put one over the enemy to get you for free? Short answer is yes. He's God. He could have just rocked up and be like, yo, what's up? High five in your face. And then take them. But just like David, who said, I refuse, I refuse to take this field for nothing. So did God say, I refuse to take Warren, to take Joshua, to take even the mistake-making Brom, to take Richard, to, to take Leander for free. I will pay a very high price for them. In fact, I will give them my best. I will have my son pour out his blood on a cross for you. So God refused to take you for free. He took you for the full price. And the full price cost him everything that was important to him. He took you. And what does Jesus say? He says the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in her. David bought a very high price for her. So what did Jesus do? David was showing... <laughs> Let me go. To, I was, that was, the first part was just the introduction. You guys can sit down. No, I'm joking. Don't sit down. But as David paid a very high price for a field, gave him, giving God his best, so God paid a very high price for a field. You. You. And he knows your end from your beginning. The mistakes that you're still going to make. Yeah, you're still going to make some. 
I know some of you think that you're Superman and Wonder Woman, but you're going to make some mistakes because you're flesh. Know that even the mistakes that you're going to make is still going to set you up for breakthrough, for success, for deliverance. Even the mistakes that you're going to make will get Joseph out of a pit, will get Moses a wife that he needed to get the job done. Every mistake that you're going to make, he set you up for success already. So stop living in a bubble of condemnation. Realize that even though I am ugly, even though I am sinful and fleshy, and even though this man standing before you is not good enough to even stand on the stage, know, know this, that when the devil reminds me of how bad I am, I still say to him, yes, and he still chose me over you. So remind the devil that every mistake that you've made, God has the ability to set you up for success. Know that every mistake that you're making, you're just tripping up in him because you are in him and he's never issued you with a certificate of divorce. He's never cut himself to get you out. He cut himself to put you in. That's why the Romans pierced him because you needed a way in. That's so good. I'm giving myself a tithe. I'm going to go to F&B app and just give some money. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Just where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Father, every mistake that I've made, every person here praying with me, Jeremy, some music in the background, please, sir. Every mistake that I've made, every mistake that I've made, Every mistake that you have made. Father, right now, Lord Jesus, I leave it at your feet. And I thank you, Jesus, that there is no condemnation in Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ. There is nowhere that God condemns me. Even the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. He looked at her and said, where are the people that are condemning you? No, they've gone. Neither do I condemn you. Hear the voice this morning from your God telling you, I don't condemn you. Every mistake, you did what you did, you messed up. But there is no God who condemns you this morning. It doesn't mean that you have a license to go do what you want to do. No, but a person who is in Christ never desires to sin anyway. If you're still desiring sin, then I question whether you're in Christ. But this morning I want to let you know that there is no voice that condemns you. There's no voice that tells you you're not good enough. Not from heaven anyway. If you're hearing that voice, you have a broken network. You're buffering and you're listening to a wrong voice. And some of you, it's not even the devil that's telling you that you're bad. It's you telling you that you're bad. It's your flesh beating you up. The first year I was a cell leader, I was counseling families and I realized something. Some families are so messed up that the devil needs counseling after he's been in that house. Because oftentimes it's not demonic spirits. It's just you in your heart, in your flesh. But there's a spirit of God here this morning that tells you that you are good enough. You are his beloved son and daughter. He loves you with an everlasting love. 
He wants you. He's pierced himself to make a way for you to come in him. There is a voice here this morning and specifically for people that are online that is telling you this morning that God loves you so much that you thought that your mistakes could stop God from using you. But even as God delivered Joseph from the pit and Jonah from the fish and Jesus from hell, so he will deliver you. His arm is never too short to reach you. And even as the devil used the same scripture to Jesus when he tempted him, he said, throw yourself from this building. Will the angels of the Lord not catch you? I want to say to you this morning that every mistake that you're making, every time you trip over a stone, every time you trip over a ledge, every time you fall and you did it in faith, there are angels, God, ready to catch you so that when you trip, you trip up. When you fall, you fall up. When you make a mistake, you must make a mistake in Him. The outcome, the end, the desire of God is so that you would be with Him. It is so that you would be like Him. And everything that you're going through is Him still conforming you and shaping you so that you would be like Him. Jason Upton has this song where he sang it and it used to bother my religiosity. He used to sing the song and says, every time I make a mistake, you are there laughing. You and I start laughing. And it used to bother me to think that God would laugh. Sometimes I laugh at people when they tell me their stories. And they're like, why are you laughing? I don't know. I'm seeing a psychiatrist. But I laugh because the chief end of man is Jesus. It's not your mistake. The chief end of man, in other words, where you're going to, is for you to be more like him. The chief end of you. And he's not pulling out of that project. He's not finishing with you. I'm just giving God some time here to deliver some people. Because there are some people here who don't think that there is more for them. They think that they're unqualified. They don't think they're good enough. And this is not just one man just being nice, doing his Christian duty. I'm not here to flatter anybody. I'm here to tell you the truth. And I would tell you if you were not qualified. But it's the blood of Jesus that qualifies you. And all of you this morning are qualified. All of you this morning are good enough. All of you this morning are chosen and selected by the Lord. And there are some people that are resisting this word because they're resisting it because of the flesh. Because they still find comfort in beating themselves up. My prayer for you this morning is that God would show you who you are in Him. Because when you see yourself in Him, you will find the reason to love yourself find the reason in loving yourself because there was a question that said how can I love myself Father I pray in the name of Jesus that you will, that you will sweep this room 
remove any voice of condemnation, any voice of judgment, any voice of bitterness, any voice of frustration, any voice, Father, that says to anybody here this morning that you are not good enough by works or that you are good enough by works because no man is saved by works. But Father, that we would have the grace and the strength to receive what you have done for us, to receive the words of what you say about us. I pray, Father, this morning that you would touch every person this morning, blessing them, Father, and Lord, on their right way home, that they know, Father, Lord Jesus, that they would give themselves grace and be, put themselves at peace, knowing that everything that they've done wrong, they don't have to beat themselves up because God is setting you up for success. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord hear you when you call. May the Lord help you this week. May the Lord be your strength. May you know that it is God who sees everything and makes himself known to you. I pray, Father Lord, that you would bless us and keep us in Jesus' name.